Tome of All Dooms, Season 2, Episode 6, Character Creation Interview with Jillian. starting here you might want to go back and listen to season two episode two where i discuss character creation in general in uncharted worlds before listening to these interviews these interviews are an attempt to dive deep with my players about what makes cool characters for them and what they enjoy playing i'm a super lucky gm i have players at my table from a variety of backgrounds Uh, they're smart they're thoughtful and they're super creative It's everything that I could pretty much want at the table. While this is an interview show, um, I pretty much ask the questions, and sometimes Liren asks the questions because she helped me with the interviews, and then we kind of just let it go and let the players talk about what's meaningful to them, because characters are all about the players, and I really wanted to hear what they had to say. Who are you, what do you like to play, and what's your experience like? Well, uh, <laughs> my name is Jillian. I have been LARPing for about, at this point, 20-21 years. I'm uh, usually a more of a white wolf LARPer. It's my first game set. That's how I got my start. Uh, I have been playing, storytelling, and just recently uh, DMing for a Dungeons & Dragons game. I like to consider myself a narrativist. I'm not really good with systems or mechanics, but I can tell a great story. And I'm I'm going to be playing uh, Nugget. Nugget is the ship's mechanic, engineer, and um, all over awkward personality. Uh, do you have a favorite character type? You know, up until about two years ago, I did. Um, my cash cow was the um, girl next door, very helpful um, support character type. I'd be playing the, uh, the uh, bookish Ancilla in Vampire, or perhaps um, uh, the Cleric in D&D. Um, I just really liked getting in there and helping. Um, but very recently, I've just decided that um, I've had enough. Of, uh, being the, of being the helpful character type, and just recently I've gone into uh, characters with very little agenda. Um, uh, most recently I'm, I'm playing in a very large, connected uh, LARP organization. I'm playing an elder vampire uh, who basically does two things, tell amazing anecdotes and write plays. And does she have a political agenda? Absolutely not. Does she have a personal agenda? Absolutely not. And I find that when you come into a game and just let the game happen to you, a lot of amazing stuff begins to happen. Because everybody projects their agenda onto you, which makes for almost a Shakespearean um, comedy of error. When you get a character, what makes it interesting to play that character for you know to you? Got to be a hook to it. Um, there's got to be something you can dangle yourself from. Um, I'm an actor. Well, okay, I was. Um, my training was in theater. Uh, I got a theater degree. Kids, please stay in school. Don't theater. 
uh, <laughs> uh, I'm now a stage manager, which means I've gone behind uh, behind the scenes. But when I was acting, um, they always told us to have at least something that you can something that you can hang character on, like a mannerism or a word, or if you're lucky enough, maybe the playwright gives the character a phrase or some sort of a tick. And I like exploring how that one mannerism or that one grammatic structure really folds out and connects into every other facet of said character's life. Um, Nugget does not talk in first person. Nugget talks in third person. She she only refers to herself as Nugget. Uh, there is a reason. And I'm looking forward to exploring how that mannerism connects all of her other facets. How does the system affect your character choice, or does it? Uh, it does. I, I really do. Th- I, I think it does. In fact, I was having... I was having this, it was weird when you contacted me at the end of this trip. I've just gone on a five-day car trip through um, the uncharted wilds of the American uh, North Center and uh, basically the Canadian West. I was was riding with a friend from Indianapolis to Calgary, and we needed a lot to talk about. And we started, to, because we're both gamers, we started talking about game systems that we like and what, uh, what game systems uh, play a part in what characters we play in them. Uh, I think that uh, a system like D&D with a fair amount of crunch, um, 5e is better for this than, say, AD&D you know, 2. Uh, <laughs> Um, mm-hmm. But a system with a lot more rules and crunch lends itself to a character which is more limited. If you're going for a narrative-style game, um, I won't even say the White Wolves are narrative-style games. They're not. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they also have a lot of crunch and a lot of rules. And they also tend to put their characters in boxes. Like you play your bard, or you play your toreador, or you play your she. And they all have these certain predefined roles. Like, you know, you've, there are always some exceptions, so, you know, like your, uh, your tanky rogues or your, um, your duelist toreadors with the high physical score. But I've been shifting over to a more narrative games, like Uncharted Worlds and Powered by Apocalypse, where your character doesn't have to be defined by their stats. And when you do that, so many things come to the forefront about how you interact with the character and how other people are also free to interact with the character. So yeah, I think it does make a difference, whether uh, it, but also the other thing that makes a difference is the people you're playing with. Because once a whole peop- once a, you know, a group of people sat down to either um, we're going to race to fight a terrasque, or we're going to, you know, we're a coterie coming together to overthrow the prince. Or we're just, you know, we're playing a group of scrappers that are exploring the cosmos. I think that the, the group you're playing with will uh, inform my character creation much more than the system I'm Do you like to make characters alone or collaboratively? Um, alone. 
Uh, I've been, yeah, it's, it's weird, but with the people and systems that I'm used to playing with, and I do really have a strong White Wolf bias because that's what I played almost, almost ex- exclusively for about 15 years until I was opened up to the wider world of, yeah, there's actually more than one gaming system out there. Um, I played where, you know, at the beginning of a multi-year chronicle, or a, you know, here's your one shot, here's what's going, you know, here, here's what we're going to be trying to accomplish. Go ahead and make your own character. And I don't think our, at least the culture of the group that I'm involved in, which um, the culture is make your own character and then do your character ties. But then, um, like we did with Blood and Snow, where we made character ties alongside the actual characters, I think, I think is a richer experience. And it eliminates the need for a GM to squish all of these disparate characters together. Um, I don't think if, if I started up another game with any other system where it's a small game, um, you know, something like under 20 PCs, I'd probably do character creation and character ties at the same time. I think it's a great idea. Would you have preferred it if I made pre-gens for this game? And how do you feel about pre-gens? I like pre-gens as a convention uh, device. I like pre-gens as a way to get people over the system and setting and right into the story as quickly as possible. Um, As a way to endear a character to a player, which really makes it pop, Um, I'm not a fan of them. Uh, because so few times will, I mean, it's, it's random chance. It's nobody's fault. Um, a character really can't click somebody until they have a chance to, you know, get in it, inhabit it. And when you're, char- when you're creating your own character, that's what you do. You're putting little bits of yourself all through your character and, you know, finding, you know, like a, a second skin that feels right. With a pre-gen, you have maybe five minutes to look over your stats, your powers, your um, your backstory, if there is one. And um, most, most of the times there's not. And you look at it, and you do what you can with what you're given. And some of the time that works, but I feel that most of the time it doesn't. At least not for a long-term campaign. For a night or two? Yeah, you can give me a pre-gen and I'll do what I can with it. For, you know, a long-term campaign that's going to go months, maybe years, I'd prefer to, I'd prefer to playwright my own, which, uh, which a lot, uh, I think a lot of gamers would um, make fun of me for, that I take such an actor-driven approach to role-playing. Long since learned that, uh, hey, I'm 42, I'll do what I want. Uh, what effect, if any, did the, the setting of Scrappers that we had decided on uh, influence your uh, character ideas? What did the setting have? Well, um, when, I, when, I heard, when, when, I, when I read the Uncharted system, uh, the, well, no, not the system, the setting, the setting material, um, some concepts were just immediately removed from the table for me. Um, I don't think that I would play, I don't think I would play anything mostly social in a space setting. Um, 
there are characters, and yet we have two brilliantly social characters um, on on the ship. But for me, space is all about one's, uh, well, a, a human's uh, mastery over the most inhospitable situation of all. Um, it's, I'm a big fan of, I'm a big fan of science fiction. I grew up on Star Trek and Star Wars and went into uh, SG-1. I was, was a big favorite of mine. Um, if it was on the sci- if it was on an, the early sci-fi channel, um, anywhere before 2005. After that, it kind of got a. I I just didn't like the sci-fi shows after 2005. Um, I think Stargate Atlantis was my big like last uh, sci-fi serial drama that I uh, that I didn't get mad at and stop watching. But I there's just certain types of characters that just for me. Um, lend themselves to space. You have your explorers and your mechanic, your science whizzes, um, a lot of your Star Trek archetypes, because that's what I was raised on. Um, the the you know like the the social characters in space can be very successful, but I just don't think I can do any justice to them. So I will tend to a more cerebral. Uh, mechanic, pilot, uh, computer technician sort of character when I'm playing in a outer space. What was something that you liked about the Uncharted World's character creation process? The simplicity. Um, I play in systems that have really obtuse character creation mechanics. Um, D&D has streamlined itself in 4th uh, and 5th edition. Um, White Wolf has gotten a little better, but it is still labyrinthine in terms of character creation. I love being able to sit down at the character creation session and literally pick out, okay, here are eight choices for your archetype. Pick two. Okay, that's great. Um, here's, Here's another ancillary choice for your archetype. Pick one of these. Okay, and then you get these, just these four skills that your character is now good at. And there's no number involved in these. There's no, there's no min, I mean, there's no min-maxing. There's no, there's no cheating or gaming the system because of how little system there actually is. Rank your skills from middle to interface from minus one to plus two. I mean, how easy is that? Um, you pick what you're really good at, and you pick what you're probably not very good at, and you rank them. And then you have these assets, which uh, basically, you know, just tack onto your character and make them better. So yes, you can specify, but there's a whole world out there of just very simple, okay, here's what I do, and here's a whole bunch of things which I can attempt. It's it's just amazing. I was kind of sobbing about it all through this trip. Is there anything that you thought was hard to understand or you didn't like about uh, the Uncharted World's character creation process? You know, I, I don't think there is. If I had a quibble with it, it would probably be like the XP system because at the first time, it's like, uh, according to your archetypes, mark XP when, and there's a whole list of things, and I didn't know that you only could choose one. Ah. Uh. 
And I'm like, oh, well, I can I can definitely move towards all of these things. And some of them were pretty simple, like for like the one of the industrial Mark XP when is when you fix something. And it's like, oh, well, that's going to be really easy because when on I think you can you can game that to uh, like a like a, a non careful G like a like a non careful kind of word. Um, like a reckless, like a lack of reckless GM could basically just keep awarding XP for the simplest thing, and I'm not sure that's what the XP system should be. So you either need to police your players on that, or take some of those easier ones out of the system. What was one choice you made that defined the vision of your character? I think. It was because of our Blood and Snow game that I ended up playing the de facto leader that I did not want to play the leader this time around. I didn't want to play anybody nearly as effusive or as social or as charming as Otterheart slash Tidecaller. Um, I just wanted, I wanted to play somebody who wasn't. I wanted to do a 180. So playing somebody who is quiet and withdrawn and maybe not have much to say but when she does speak it has it has purpose it has meaning or it's funny because i will override a lot of things for comedy i'm primarily a comedy player it does it gets me in, in trouble at a few times because i will naturally just play for a laugh and at a more serious table i'll get i'll get you know things thrown at me um not like bricks or anything like yeah, this time I think I wanted I wanted to play somebody um, quieter, uh, more thoughtful, and a little more introverted than my normal gregarious, out there, um, socially gifted type. So tell me about Nugget. Nugget is a young. I think I think my favorite adjective that I latched onto during character creation was grimy. She is a kind-hearted, grimy, and prudent mechanic. She definitely understands machines more than people, because machines have processes that when you follow them, the machine works. And when you don't follow them, it fails to, it fails to function. People, on the other hand, are messy and complicated, and what works for them the first time will not work for them the second time. She is a colonist, which means she grew up um, off. She grew up on a uh, in a place that humans usually weren't, and now they are. Which means a certain sort of insinuation on her on her environment. Um, whether she, I think she lived in a biodome on a on a rather inhospitable planet. So going outside was not something that kids do. That kids do growing up, um, going, you know, outside of your bubble is not something you do on a colony on a, on a biodomed world, because going outside your conformed role is dangerous and could get you killed. Um, so she understands that there is a job to do, and will do it to the best of her ability uh, to keep peace in her little biodome, which has now become the John Wayne Gulp. She's weird. Um, I don't think she sees the world like other characters see it. Um, I think those 
messy human processes overwhelm her, and she'll need to uh, frequently just process down at the bottom of um, the Nugget Cave, which is the mechanical bowels of the ship. Uh, but I think her, those, those three uh, character adjectives that I keep coming back to are kind-hearted, prudent, and of course, grimy. She's just going to be messy, um, but the best kind of messy. Uh, she's that kid who came to school in her overalls with un unnumbered and unnamed stains all over her jeans with probably like a frog in her pocket and uh, messy hair. And she that just said unconventional things like, oh, so the sun goes down later up north. Do polar bears sleep? And just baffle and just baffles a teacher. I grew up with I grew up with a couple of them going to school and I always had I always had the I always had the most admiration for them because they were just so unabashedly themselves. They didn't know any other way. And that's nugget. What do you think about World Anvil? Is it useful? Is it not useful? Is it difficult? Not difficult? You know, I really don't have any strong feelings about it either way, which probably gives it a very light thumbs down, in my opinion. Uh, there are... I'm not really... The only really big um, chronicle management tool that I've seen that really just sort of blew my socks off was D&D Beyond, because they just were so utterly comprehensive about it. But, I mean, World Anvil doesn't have a place for uh, Uncharted World's character sheet. Like, they have a whole bunch of other character sheet types, but they don't have ours. And if I wanted to, like, blog as my character, I have, I have other outlets in which to do that. Facebook. Um, I am frequently weird on my Facebook, and I frequently do a lot of character stuff on my Facebook. So it's not, it's not too out of the ordinary to go over there. I usually do a lot of, like, live streaming. If I do something in character, it will probably be, like, a private email scene. Or a private Discord scene. Um, yeah, I just usually don't publish a lot about, you know, publish in public a lot about my characters. Like, we have email lists and Discord servers for the Mind's Eye Society, and I do a lot of playing on those. Um, but for public consumption, I think, I mean, one of my failings is I just don't think it's interesting enough. I just don't think I'm interesting enough, so why would anyone want to know? Um <laughs> I, I see where World Anvil is useful, I just don't think it's useful for me. All that is left is for me to thank my players for answering my questions and to attribute our intro and outro music. It is Space Harmony and it is available on Purple Planet Music at purpleplanet.com.